Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Uh, warning, this podcast contains spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the Halo series, including the finale. So if you haven't caught up with those uh, particular pieces of content, make sure to skip those sections of our podcast. That's all. Thank you. Hello. My name is Jason Concepcion, and I'm currently in the throes of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, which I tested positive for last weekend and have been suffering symptoms of from about a day before I had tested positive for it. All of which is to say, this is going to be a crazy episode because not only am I suffering from the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, but my brilliant co-host, the best in the business folks, the number one comics writer, pop historian in the game today, Rosie Knight. Rosie, how are you? I also have novel coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, <laughs> and somehow we didn't get this at the same place. We legitimately have not seen each other in public for a long time in real life. Good point, Rosie, <laughs> because here's what I have to this say. This happened. You can read the news, uh, and uh, the COVID is rampant right now. People wear your masks. I've been to uh, numerous places over the last, you know, the last week in the zone when I could have gotten it. And I was always one of like the 5% of people there wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. It ain't gone away, folks. And this time, it's crazy. Uh, this is my second go around with COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. The first time I basically just slept for like eight, 18 hours and then like two days later I felt fine. This time, like Terminator 2 or Aliens <laughs> or Godfather 2, the sequel is much more potent than the original. And I feel like I got a f fucking house dropped on me. Yes. How do you feel, Rosie? I would concur. This is not my first time having COVID, seeing as we are living through a global pandemic in uh, <laughs> busy cities. But this is the worst time. I have been haunting my house like a fucking sickened ghost. I have a fever every day. It is like you said, it is, it's truly like the James Cameron's aliens to Ridley Scott's alien. The first one was like a brain foggy, slow, lucid experience. Yeah. This is like space marines shooting you with a, with a big space gun. It's, it's very bad. Folks, it's gnarly. Don't get it. And wear be your mask, be safe, uh, and take care of yourselves. And other people. And other people around you who, for reasons not having to do with ignorance, 
perhaps can't get the numerous vaccines that are out there because of uh, the previous medical conditions, the fact that they're immunocompromised, et cetera. Uh, those people are living in a state of constant fear. Uh, and uh, we can we can we can make their uh, plight a little bit uh, less stressful by hopefully getting vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated by now, I, I'm not sure what happened, but also just wearing your mask because mm-hmm. it, it's out here, folks. It's out here. I, I saw Paul McCartney at uh, I saw Paul McCartney at SoFi. And again, one of like one of like five percent of the people there who who was uh, wearing a mask. Um, so it's out. It's it's it is here, folks. And also anecdotally, as this very podcast episode recording proves, I've even like when it was pre-vaccines, when when it was like really, 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 really scary. Um, I didn't know this many people like that had it. So I know mm-hmm. so many people that ha- have it right now Same. or had it last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, it's going around. And and I don't really go out many places or go and do big socializing things just to protect my own health. And I always wear a mask and I still got it. So just everybody's getting it. It's it's good to just take care. And, and it's hard right now because the way that the numbers are being reported and the fact that a lot of people are testing at home means we yes. won't necessarily see those numbers in the same way we did in other waves. So it's just really good to follow your gut and be thoughtful for your own sake and for other people's. And because this is very gnarly. It's, you don't want to be sitting here sweating like us, pre- sweating, talking about she I know. Well, great, <laughs> great transition because let's do that. In today's episode and the previously on, we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of news from this week headlined by the uh, the – she-Hulk trailer drop, the delightful She-Hulk trailer drop. Uh, we will talk about the Halo finale and the fact that Master Chief uh, popped his cherry. Uh, he 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 did it, and uh, people aren't necessarily happy about it. We will uh, talk about some other news, and then we will go to the airlock where we will talk about when you're sick and you're sitting at home. What do you watch? What do you read? What do you do? Uh, to just kind of comfort you through it. Uh, and that's that's in our airlock section. Of course, as always, if you want to jump around, check out the, the timestamps in the show notes. Uh, first up, let's go to the news. The She-Hulk trailer. She-Hulk, attorney at law! She's barred, folks. She's a barred attorney uh, at New York State. It's Jennifer Walters' cousin, of our good friend Bruce Banner, the show starring Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, hello, Tim Roth uh, as Emil Blonsky, Benedict Wong as Wong, uh, and others. Uh, Let's talk about this trailer, which is absolutely super, super fun. Uh, Delightful. Here's my first takeaway. Hulk's arm is fine. Therefore, this is pre-Endgame. Therefore, we're going to fill in the stuff clearly post-Snap, and that is uh, Bruce Banner's, you know, post-Ragnarok journey to becoming Professor Hulk. We're going to see some of that timeline filled in, and that is super, super cool and awesome. Yeah. I want to talk about that because, like, if if you're not like us and you don't be pausing the trailer and everything, you might be like, what are you talking about? But this is it. 
in Endgame, we met Professor Hulk, who explained that he was a, a new version of Banner and Hulk combined. He was not right. a third entity. He was who he is. He's he's an intelligent, green-skinned man. I put the brown man. and the braids together. Exactly. And he's looking hunky. And I'm sure some people on the internet were calling him daddy. Cheese. <laughs> and then at the end of Shang-Chi, we saw Bruce Banner in his human form That's with right. a sling on his arm. Because in Endgame, we saw him, we saw Hulk wield the Infinity Gauntlet and do the snap. And it really messed up his arm. So in the modern continuity, we know that Bruce is back in his normal human body and he has an arm sling. In this trailer, as Jason so smartly noticed, he is Professor Hulk and his arms are looking fine. So it is very, very likely that this is going to be in that period between Infinity War and Endgame, which is something we have yet to see. Another thing we're going to, uh, I think we can deduce from this wonderful, again, trailer. There's uh, uh, the part of the trailer in which, uh, you know, uh, one of the heads of the law firm that uh, Jennifer works for says, hey, we want to start a, a, a superhero division, which is um, directly a, a very much a comics thing. Like Jennifer's mm-hmm. specialty is uh, powered uh, incidents, you know, uh, cases involving or related to uh, people with powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we remember from Shang-Chi, right, that uh, that uh, Emil Blonsky, the abomination in his comics accurate uh, form uh, <laughs> was doing uh, fights for money against Wong. And we're like, holy shit, wasn't he like in jail? Wasn't he in super people jail? I, and we see him in this trailer uh, when when the uh, the you know, one of the law partners mentions, hey, we want to start a superhero, uh, a super powered persons division. Um, I think this is how he gets out. I think I think Jennifer and honestly, rightly so. I think you would make the argument that like, hey, we can't hold this guy forever like Mm -hmm. it's actually uh, yes he's theoretically a weapon of mass destruction but there's other powered people out there now who are also similarly powerful and um what what does it mean legally that we can just like hold this guy ad infinitum and i think that's how emil blonsky gets his freedom or whatever whatever status he has by shang chi where he's able to come and go at will yeah, I think you're right. Also, I think that the cell that we see in this trailer that that um, we see Jennifer in when she's testing her Hulk powers, that looks very similar to where we see Abomination walk back into during yeah. Shang-Chi. So I think that I think that Bruce, whatever part of Bruce's life this is, it's going to be important and foundational to the notion of whatever's going on in the current continuity. We know that S.W.O.R.D. was set up you know, within this, there was that was a really big time for S.W.O.R.D. after, and we found out about all the plans that they were making because of what had happened because of the blip. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of the things that we thought we were going to see or we thought we were seeing being established with Shang-Chi, like Dark Avengers, etc., if those things might have already been in the works during this mm. five years. And we're going to kind of retroactively learn about them and see how they could come into play in the wider MCU. Uh, what else do we see? Let's talk about this. So we see uh, in the opening shots, we see a car tumbling down the hill. Now, in the comics, Jennifer gets her powers because she needs a blood transfusion. 
uh, from, uh, you know, she has a particular blood type and so they go to a relative and of course Bruce Banner is the relative and the uh, side effect of him do uh, 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 donating blood to his cousin is that the gamma radiation in his blood also gets into Jen's body mm-hmm. and she reacts in a very similar way to Bruce and becomes the shield. Now in the comics, it's gangsters shoot her because of her uh, legal activities um, and she requires this blood transfusion. So I think it's going to be, I think clearly it's going to be an accident rather than gangsters, which anyway is like, I think Punisher like debuted yeah. like two years before that. So it's like they just like reuse the Punisher's origin. <laughs> they <laughs> like, like everyone's family's you? being killed by gangsters. Probably yeah, by gangsters, family barbecues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right. And something that um, our super producer Saul was saying when we were prepping for this episode was like, Hawkeye did something really interesting where it tied Kate Bishop's origin and her tragic backstory directly into events of the MCU. And that definitely feels like something we could see here. But from the tone of the show, which is like very 80s and funny and kind of like feels a bit more lighthearted than a lot of the other stuff we've gotten, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play with that kind of fan favorite conversation about like collateral damage which is like not something we've really seen very much they touched on it in the netflix stuff but i wouldn't be surprised if her accident was like something got thrown and hit a brick wall and then it fell on her during an avengers fight or something exactly it's like the snap an ice cream van had a guy who was wasn't driving and and i just think like this show seems to be going into that humor and it's it's if it's gonna be like the comics she's always been a very meta fourth wall breaking character so to have a little bit of that conversation with the audience and say well this is kind of what it's like for normal people who live in the mcu is you might not even end up being normal because your cousin's got gamma blood (laughs) uh let's talk about one of the real surprises in this trailer which is the very very brief shot of frogman frogman Uh, i did not know this was going to happen i cannot believe this happened i am i cannot believe it Tell us who Frog. Tell us about Frogman. Frogman, very very minor character that I maintain was at least in some form a like aesthetic influence on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I yeah, yeah, yeah. claim that I have no evidence for that, uh, but I claim that the truth is that all those. I mean, TMNT is like one of my favorite topics and all of those comics the original black and white stuff which is very dark and very funny was an absolute response to marvel and dc and big superhero comics so that would make a lot of sense especially when you think about the fact that like in teenage mutant ninja Turtles, for example the bad group is called it's called the foot clan instead of the hand you know and stuff like that so it's very it was like a self-published kind of shitpost comic and and i love that it became this teen this like kids powerhouse but yes frogman it is with a hyphen like spider-man so don't spell it wrong or else the comic (laughs) fans might get upset with you uh created by jmd mateus and carrie gamil from a marvel team-up issue marvel team-up 121 june 1982 which i believe those were fun man yeah and that puts it between that I think that puts it before the first, yeah, two years before the first Ninja Turtles comics. So That's why definitely... I'm saying, and also like 
uh, Eugene, who, uh, the uh, frogman's yeah. Eugene secret identity. Eugene's like 15. This mm-hmm. is why I claim that frogman is an influence on TM. But like, again, I have no, I, I'm saying this Let's without Let's get Kevin Eastman evidence. on it to Let's, talk about this. Yeah. Local legend. Yeah. Um, so yes, his mother is called Rosie. Shout out to me. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, he basically makes like, he's like a kid who wants to be a villain and it is like really weird and 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 strange and he, he could definitely one of those weird characters from the 70s and 80s where you're just like how did this get in there yeah like but he like, actually like pace pot pete <laughs> like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of level character i have to say this actually um and basically he is like he's one of those characters who's so out there and weird that if you're a comic book writer Occasionally, if you're like, if like me and Jason got to write a comic, we would be pulling these weird characters that we love. Yes. So he pops up like he's in Secret Invasion, you know, uh, as a scroll. He's he's in like you that see was, these different. What a, what a fucking <laughs> crazy! By the way, hilarious pull in Secret Invasion that Frogman right? was a scroll. And then, like, I mean, he's definitely. I think there's there's character there's creators now who remember him fondly because he pops up a lot. And to see him here, they they do a really good job kind of recontextualizing the costume, which in the comics is like very cartoony. In in the trailer, as we see it, it looks kind of like a Super Sentai costume, like yeah. a like a Power Rangers costume M- meets Vigilante from the recently uh, released Peacemaker show that we talked a lot about. So I'm very interested to see. My gut says he will be someone that she represents. That seems to be the only way to easily build him into the show, unless he is actually secretly the villain and Titania's like gonna be her ally instead. I'm glad you mentioned Titania, uh, played by Jamila Jamil. She is, we assume, gonna be the the big bad of the series and is a, a, a frequent um, foil for She Hulk over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, now Titania, in the comics gets her uh, powers from Doctor Doom. It dun, will be dun 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 dun. It will be absolutely. Uh, I, I will be fascinated to know where she gets her powers this time. Yeah. Also in the comics, one more connection uh, with the. Well, first of all, She Hulk was a member of the Fantastic Four, so th- there's that. And then also, uh, She Hulk represented uh, Doctor Doom's oh, yeah. son. Uh, in uh, in his attempt to uh, basically flee Latveria and become an American citizen. Uh, so there are a lot of really cool Doctor Doom uh, connections, and it just feels like, again, once again, we're inching, inching, inching towards a, a Fantastic Four canonical debut. Uh, the, the fact that we saw John Krasinski as mm-hmm. Reed Richards notwithstanding. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's a really interesting pull. Obviously, she's like a really famous She-Hulk villain, and it makes sense because they're obviously going for kind of like an Ally McBeal vibe. So it makes sense to give her like a female antagonist. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some kind of implication of like a power broker sort. Like, where did she get this power well, that's from? That's great. Yeah, How yeah. could she get it? Also, in the comics, like even though it's kind of a a wacky origin, um during the Secret Wars stuff, the I think it's Secret Wars 3 where she's introduced, it, it's actually, like, bad. She does get tested on and has this kind of what could definitely be yeah. be written as, like, a tragic backstory or a reason to be pissed off at people or 
or reason to kind of want to become a villain. So I think there's interesting stuff to dig into there. And I think it's really interesting that in this, the first trailer for the show, it's just this kind of like glimpse of a fight. So I'm really interested to see where they go because I feel like the MCU is definitely blurring the lines between like good guys and bad guys and, and kind of that gray area between ally and antagonist. And I think that relationship could be prime for that. And the fact that Wong is going to be in this show and we know that he is connected to Abomination, he's connected to whatever, this secret team he's kind of trying to put together. He's like the new Phase 4 Nick Fury, which I love. I love that. At some point, we should discuss the fact that Comics Wong currently is great. Movie Wong is orders of magnitude the best Wong. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even close. To how yeah. cool, how much cooler he is in the movies than in the. In and the I comic. think you can absolutely one Benedict Wong shout out. That's like all you. Great, like you're Great. killing yeah. it. And I think that you can't understate his impact on why the comic book Wong is better, because like these movies and comics are so intertwined. And when you have yeah. such a brilliant, in-depth, like thoughtful, funny, silly, strong, brilliant character, and I know that some people would definitely. Also, like, becoming, like, thirsty for Wong after Doctor Strange 2. I've seen the internet. I know yeah. people are feeling it. Like, he had a new outfit. He was looking good. And, like, I just, yeah, I love it. And I love that it's up the game. I mean, honestly, they've done a really great job recontextualizing that Orientalist aspect. Yes. That's so key to, like, the older Doctor Strange stuff. There might be some of our listeners out there like, oh, she, I love the trailer. I'm getting into comics. What can I read? Um, it's super, super easy. Read uh, Dan Slott's She-Hulk, The Complete Collection. This is a story by Dan Slott, uh, Adi Granoff on cover art, also uh, Paul Peltier and Scott Collins on art. Uh it kind of like set the modern tone for uh, She-Hulk as a character mm-hmm. in the in the in the early two thousands as this kind of like um, one time shy lawyer who has uh, become this very like super confident, hard charging, work hard, play hard character who's like who is in a lot of ways, like, a focus point for the female superhero community. Like, she has so many friends across the female superhero community, Mm -hmm. which is part of what makes that that collection so fun is just, like... Yeah. I've said this many times. I'm a big fan of, like, superheroes just hang out stories. And there's so many scenes uh, in that collection where it's just, like, Jen just hanging out with her friends. She's really good at that. also, because yeah, she's like, one of the few, she's one of like the few heroes aside from like the Fantastic Four. So she's going to be one of the first MCU heroes who has like a full time job. She's not yeah. just like bumming around, like somehow yeah. not getting paid for being an Avenger. She has like a full time job. So that leads to a lot of funny kind of slice of life sitting around stuff. And I mean, in that dance lot collection, Titania is like a major antagonist. So you're yep. looking for there. You have. Uh, the the new poster that they just released is almost certainly based on one of Greg Horn's covers, which is actually the back of the collection, which is her kind of striding up these stairs, you know, and and yeah. the, and the the visualization that they've gone for as Tatiana as She Hulk is very much that Greg Horn 
kind of vibe. She's she's big, but she's like shapely and she's kind of athletic. And so it's very interesting to see that. So there's that. So there's the uh, She-Hulk collection by Dan Slott, complete collection. Uh, this collects like She-Hulk 1 to 12 and I think a couple, maybe an annual or something like that. And then uh, She-Hulk, the complete collection, yes. a more recent uh, a more recent collection uh, by Charles Sewell, Javier Polito, and Munza of Vicente. Uh, and that one is just super, super funny. Charles Sewell was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So he's got all the lingo down. Uh, and it's that's another one where it's like, Jen hanging out with Hellcat, you know, like yeah, Jen, her, like Jen. Her friendship with Patsy is so great, and I do. I wonder love if it. That's going to be something that plays in. That's okay. So I have a prediction. I'm going to be. We know uh, our listeners know how much we love to make predictions, and we don't care if they're wrong. We just love to do it. Yeah, it's just fun. Here's so much of like the texture of Jennifer Walters' stories is about the role she plays in the broader superhero community and her friendship and bonds with various figures throughout the female superhero community. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more than Frogman debut. I think we might see others. I think we see, might because, like, if you think about it, superhero division, I get that there's a lot of, like, you know, property damage and loss of life from mm-hmm. the various uh, superhero incidents around the world who could forget Hulk fucking up Harlem <laughs> and every place he goes, you know, but there's when you talk about the community, it's not like there's that many, you know, like mm-hmm. there's not that many folks that she could represent. She could represent uh you know, Bruce Banner in the various lawsuits that are probably lodged against him for destroying, you know, uh, uh, Betty's College, Harlem, et cetera. There's, uh, but it's not like there's, yeah, but there's (laughs) not that many, she, yeah, she could get Ant-Man, like his charges dropped, et cetera. But there's not like that many, there's really not that many superheroes yet. So, I do wonder if we might not, if the Frogman drop isn't a signal that, hey, all those like really, really fun, rarely used minor, minor, minor Marvel Mm -hmm. characters, we might see some of them pop up here. Yeah, I think that you're right. And I also think this is going to continue the Hawkeye tradition, not just in tone, but in re branding and reshaping the Netflix Marvel shows as something for the main MCU. It's quite likely we might see Matt Murdock here. He too is a lawyer and him and Jennifer have worked alongside each other. And something else that you just made me realize when we're talking about this, it could work as the, it could work in the same way the Netflix shows worked, which is when you actually watch those shows, they introduce so many comic book characters because they needed like a living community. Yeah. Like Luke Cage, so many characters. And no MCU show has really done that. Hawkeye used names of characters, but it wasn't actually, they didn't become those characters as we knew them. She-Hulk could be a way of introducing a new character. I mean, if they wanted to do it like a procedural, you could have a new character that she's I love that. looking yeah. after every week, you know? And it would be a way to build out that community. It would be very funny. It would be super, super funny. 
And some of them, you know, you have a defending a hero, you have a defending a villain, you have a kind of building that moral compass. And like that, the Charles Saul run that you were talking about with Javier's amazing art, like that's the one where she defends the son of Doctor Doom and she and Captain America. Yes. You know, so there's all different kinds of ways that you can explore that. And I think that looking to those two, this one has her face down with Matt Murdock. Like Deadpool is in this and there's a holiday party. So you get that fun space. I, I just think this could be a launch pad for building out those weirder, smaller superhero roles. Yeah. And again, uh, I, I wonder if we... It'd be cool to get a Hellcat drop in this. Hellcat, one of the oldest Marvel characters. Yeah. I mean, going back to the 40s. Like, this is like a That's from timely the days when, comics era, yeah. like, fucking Marvel fashion, character. Fashion yeah. comics. Really incredible times. People forget those old days when women were seen as a, as a truly large part, half of the market. So they had romance comics, they had fashion comics, and that's where Patsy Walker, who became Patsy Walker Hellcat, came from. And uh, she was in the Jessica Jones show in a, in a yeah. kind of reimagined version. But this version of She-Hulk seems like a better place to, to bring in a different version of her. There was a She-Cat, there was a Hellcat comic with incredible art by Brittany Williams a few years ago. And that was very much like She-Hulk's having a party at the office. Yeah. And like, look at all these different characters who are here. And oh no, who are you going to have to defend? Is it going to be like That's Smurf my favorite thing. That's what I love about She-Hulk stories. Yeah. And that's why I hope, and that's why I say, because it is really such an important part of the texture and feel of mm -hmm. Jennifer Walter stories. And so, you know, selfishly, I just hope we see a lot of I think the tone of the trailer pop up. It hints at that. It hints like yeah. her and Bruce in the bar. There's like a comedy. And she obviously acclimate, just like in the comic, she acclimates very well to being in her She-Hulk form because that's how she chooses yeah. to be. Yeah. And it looks like from the trailer, that's going to be the case for most of the show. Uh, well, we can't wait for this one. Up next, let's uh, welcome in our super producer, Chris, to talk about... Uh, the Halo series uh, and the ha the finale of the Halo series, which recently aired on Paramount Plus. Chris, hey there. tell us about Halo. Uh, I have to say, overall, it was a little bit disappointing. I know we we were all pretty optimistic after the first episode, like, okay, the Covenant are here. They're teasing like the conflict with the the colonies, the UNSC are the kind of the bad guys, like. There was potential, um, and I have to say that in the whole series, about 20 minutes of like really good Halo stuff in there. But those 20 minutes, I have to say, are really good. I Here is uh, my takeaway. I haven't watched the finale yet, but I've watched like the first five episodes. My mm -hmm. takeaway is that very, very clearly, 80% of the budget went to the, went to the pilot. Mm -hmm. And that oh, yeah. immediately thereafter. <laughs> yeah. It fucking <laughs> falls off in terms of like scope, in terms of what they're and and the storytelling kind of takes a hit after that. Um, so when you say not a lot of quote unquote Halo stuff, what do you what do you what do you mean? Like, you know, I think there's always a question of why even adapt? Like, what more can you really gain out of doing a film when mm -hmm. the games are pretty cinematic? I think the one big thing you can do is you can show just what incredible 
soldiers and fighters and like combatants everyone is all these spartans are that's more than just a first person pov holding a gun Mm. you know like these fights should look you know crazy you know i mean like maybe not quite the raid which is like you know we've talked about like one of the greatest action movies i would love if a tv show tried to look like the raid that would make me very happy yeah just like let's see like let's really see like great fight choreography and the first episode you get a bit of that as you do in five and then the finale like finale you finally get you know, silver team, the four Spartans going up against this like massive wave of covenant, you know, almost feels like, like the firefight situation on like ODST. Yeah. Like horde mode. Horde mode. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and it's honestly like the fight's really good and they finally bring in a little bit of the halo theme, which I think is just like one of the coolest themes. I absolutely love it so much. And it's, it's really, really fun. And yeah, Jason, your point, you feel like, Oh, this is where they spent all the budget. It was like on these like three really big epic, fight sequences you know in episode five we see i think it's john we see one of the spartans like jump on top of a banshee right it's like okay like this is pulling stuff from the game this is really fun and exciting um you know and for those that have read those books you know the eric nyland novels which we've talked about there's a lot of really great lore in there and they just kind of jettisoned all of that like i really wanted to see the spartans as a kind of family yeah like one of the tragedies of reading those books is whenever they lose one of their soldiers like you know they're kind of programmed to be emotionally unaffected, you can tell it hurts them when they lose one of their own. Um, and they didn't really mm. go there either. Like, that could have been the really great heart of the story. And I feel like they kind of skirted around that for just a lot of really generic in-room conversations. Well, something else that is kind of not Halo-y is Master Chief got his dick wet. Uh, <laughs> Master Chief, dun, dun, yep. uh, the cherry got... The cherry got popped. Uh, he got out of his armor <laughs> and got into something a lot more comfortable. Uh, and... <laughs> The reason that fans are upset, like hardcore, you know, the fans who have read the books and are uh, Mm -hmm. up on the lore is part of the Spartan. The Spartan training program is fucking brutal. Like when you read the Nyland books, you're like, holy shit, this is terrible. This is terrible (laughs) what they did to these kids to train them to be these uh, super soldiers. And part of that is um, they injected them with various steroids and drugs and uh, part of the, that medical regimen was uh, that their sex drive was, you know, medicinally depressed. It wow. was like basically like lowered to nothing because they didn't want Spartans having any kind of like emotional and or physical connection to anyone. They just wanted them to be like killing machines. And yeah. uh and then uh, guess what? Uh, Master Chief had sex in the show. Uh, how was it? Did you uh, did you uh, were you were you upset by it as a Halo fan? And uh, how was you know what did we see? What happened there? I mean, I it felt a little bit out of character, but I wasn't upset about it. I'm like, okay, I get what they're doing. You know, it's like okay, I get what they're trying to do here. They're trying to give him a romance with this other character, McKee. Um, you know, I'm never going to complain about Pablo Schreiber being naked, which he is a few times <laughs> in this series. And, and, and Congratulations. Looking yeah. great. Looking well absolutely done. great. Oh, yeah. I'm like, the yeah, internet was yeah, happy to see his buns. Yeah. As was I. Like, there's nothing gratuitous about those butt shots. They're fantastic. So from that perspective, I'm like, okay, I'm on board with this. Um, it definitely didn't make me upset. It just felt a little bit 
I don't know, kind of unnecessary. It definitely felt a little bit out of character. And it's like, it's not going to make me angry that they changed things. Like, this part of an adaptation. You got to change things. But I don't think it necessarily added a lot to the story. It sounds like it's actually a bit of a missed opportunity because that's such a tragic and kind of brutal bit of lore that they could have done a scene where it's like an intimacy scene that isn't to do with fucking. And that could have been like a really interesting, emotive way to explore like that side of the past and I also love that, like that actually. kind that's of, actually a great yeah. right? that's actually like, a really great and tragic uh plot device where it's right? like you know he he can't like yeah he and can't find do that you find and, other and, ways of being intimate like that i think that's a shame that kind of like it's i i really like the first couple of episodes i felt like it's like really ambitious weird sci-fi storytelling but i just think it's a shame because i think like if you can't keep that going for those little moments when you could do something that's really like emotionally powerful like that then it you know does it hit basically like you said it it left you you watched it and you were like eh nice to see his butt but like yeah eh. it just felt generic you know and I think that was the big disappointment with this the series is that for me Halo's never felt generic it's always been kind of special Mm. and like the Master Chief despite being kind of like kind of a blank canvas has always felt special too and this was just like eh yeah is there anything that you would want to see them do in like a second season that would redeem it or like that you're you know, interested in exploring? A, I'm not like totally writing it off. You know, like every series takes a little bit of time to get its footing. And if they are going to push it more towards like those sort of battle sequences, like we saw here, maybe fewer episodes, bigger scope and scale, more fight with the Covenant, which requires more budget, then I actually think there is some potential here. It's like there was just enough here for me to want to keep going. Mm. And be a little bit disappointed. But I would say, like, you know, I can't say it's any better than any other Halo thing. I can't be like, hey, like, dedicate nine hours to this thing instead of reading one of the books or playing Mm. one of the games. But I think in a second season with a bit more money, we can see more of, like, that big scale come in. Because the Covenant are barely in it, unfortunately. And I was hoping that the villains CGI were going to be... too expensive, baby. It's yeah. too expensive. And too it looks expensive. good. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah, the Covenant look good when they bring them in there, you know. And they they bring in little nods to the game. Like, you know, we see them, like, initially stealthily take out a bunch of grunts by hitting them in the head. Like, okay, we've all done this. We knew where we're going. <laughs> so I think maybe a little bit more of that, and I, I could be on board. So. Well, uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to catching up on this. Maybe that's one of the things I do in the throes of COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Uh, up next... The airlock, where we'll tell you about what we what we do when we're sick. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. Welcome to the airlock. Stay on the other side of it, folks, because uh, because your hosts today, Rosie and I, have been stricken with the novel coronavirus COVID-19. Uh, and so you're going to want to stay on the other side of that airlock so that you don't catch it. Uh, and today in the airlock, we're going to talk about the things that we as a, as a team, uh, super producers Chris and Saul, 
hey. Rosie and I uh, do when we're sick. What do we watch? What do we do? Uh, what do we read? What are the things that comfort us and get us through uh, th- this uh, this really horrific fucking feeling that we're feeling right now? Rosie, let's start with you. What are you even doing in the okay, time? So- By the way, let me, let me just start with this. I texted on Monday, like, hey, I have COVID. <laughs> like, let's cancel the pre-pro meeting, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, I'm glad that uh, you. Te- it's funny you should text right now because I, too, have COVID. And yes, let's definitely push the meeting. <laughs> uh, so when did you when did you start feeling it and what have you been doing since then? Like Thursday-ish. Uh, and then Friday was really the the day but it's just it's only gotten worse baby it's only gotten worse so i'm uh, i have been i i luckily i had actually just incidentally kind of like taken some time off to like i was like i'm gonna do some writing i'm gonna like do some stuff i had my mom visit and and then lo and behold it just ended up working out because it meant i could just not i could just lay around and 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 rest and um one of the things that I did that was very comforting that we haven't talked about yet somehow that is easily up there with like my favorite shows of the year was I finished Our Flag Means Death. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah, I'd been saving like the last two episodes because I didn't want it to be finished. Don't spoil the finale because there are some really great. The finale has some great stuff. I'll yeah, just say I'm that. just going to I'm not even going to really spoil anything. I'm just going to tell you why it's good and you should watch it. So it's. It's the much lauded uh, Taika Waititi produced starring pirate show. And it is just like, along with Abbott Elementary, another one of my favorite shows of the year, it is like the funniest, like kindest, sweetest, weirdest show. And the cast is incredible and the writing is funny. And it's just like one of those half hour comedies where you're just like damn, I wish I had made this because it is like so it's good really and it's great. so surprising. But it's also very cozy. It has like, I, I I was sending around everyone who was like saying that they enjoyed it. I was like, there's this old English tradition of like weird musical kid shows. And one of them was called Maid Marian and Her Merry Men. And it was done by the guys who made Blackadder. And when I was a kid, like I always think about that. And the opening of the first show is this guy singing like a reggae song about like mud <laughs> and how how terrible it is to be a peasant in like Britain. <laughs> and and this show has that same like weird British musical kids show energy. Like it, it has some. It is for adults. Like it's got some violence, but but generally you're just like this is like a really funny kids show but made for people my age (laughs) it's surprisingly wholesome oh it's so wholesome for being pirates yeah like oh this is actually like really nice Saul what are you what do you what do you watch what is your go-to when you're sick it's a good question I think my go-to when I'm sick is probably like I want something really comforting and comfortable nothing like complicated I want to minimize complexity and I want, I mean, like the familiar is hard to beat. Like I want mm-hmm. something relatively familiar. So I'll often rewatch. I got to say when I was a, a kid, and this is actually still true, my mom would take me to work with her when I was really sick. And I would just sit in her office and and watch on her like other computer, watch movies. The Oceans Trilogy would be mm. something I would watch oh, over and yes. over again. That's I just, an ultimate like, comfort watch. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great one. Watching Brad Pitt and... I mean, especially Brad Pitt. I love Brad Pitt, but watching Brad Pitt and Clooney just like sort of like stylishly 
solve problems and like do it with no issues at all it's just like very pleasing i'm like this is, it's it's complicated but it's so not complicated they make it too easy that's what i want life stakes, to be like the stakes are high but low exactly. like you can watch it and you're like right, yeah. they're stealing a lot but this is not stressful this is relaxing i'm glad to be involved in this <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, this is good. $100 million? I want that. This is great. <laughs> if, only, if only this could be so easy. <laughs> uh, Chris, what is your go-to sick content? Uh, I think if I'm sick, probably the first movie I put on is probably the movie I've seen the most in my entire life, which is The Great Mouse Detective, like the hey. kind of forgotten I love Basil, Respect to Basil. That's the one. Man. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and Vincent Price's Radigan is like one of the all-time mm -hmm. great camp villains. And I, I watch the movie probably three or four times a year. Yeah. I remember just like feeling like a little bit like hungover or sick or whatever. Like, okay, I'm throwing that on. Um, and when I actually, I had COVID back in October, 2020, um, you know, pre-vaccine when it was like, you can't go anywhere, do anything. You don't know how long you're going to be sick. So I basically quarantined for three weeks, more or less. Um, and I caught up on a lot of Batman comics. Mm, um, okay. I reread the uh, Cataclysm and No Man's Land yeah. arc. Um, but I went and tracked down like all the side issues that weren't included in like the, wow. the trade collective versions that I had in the 90s. Um, you know, thank you for, what is it? DC Infinity or whatever. <laughs> that was fantastic. A great uh, and then I started. Yeah, a blessing. It is. Yeah, no, it was really excellent. I caught up on a lot of comics. And then the other thing I did was I got back into uh, building custom Lego sets I hadn't done in probably like a decade or so. And I just had a bunch of pieces lying around. And so for the first time in a long time, like, I built like a little custom Batmobile and a little Tumblr. And I was like, oh, I'm actually really, really proud of how these oh, came out. So this fun. is pretty great. Yeah, I just like sat in my apartment for three weeks and built Legos and read comics, and it was sounds honestly it was it was fantastic. Part of me, part of me, kind of misses it now at this point. <laughs> you know what? that that era of like weird Disney movies from like what they were seeing as like a flop era, they definitely come mm -hmm. for me. Like one of my ultimate ones is the Black Cauldron. I watched that oh, movie like a lot, and and it's so scary and weird and like just off key, but it's so comforting. And that definitely, like, that Basil the Mouse Detective, like, Disney Plus in that way has kind of been a blessing and a curse because they have they have all those, a lot of those vaulted movies, but they also used to just be free to rent from the library services because, like, nobody wanted them. Right. So, <laughs> but it's easier to find them on Disney Plus. Yeah, I know, that's, that's a great call. They were dark, too. Like... Oh, Black Cauldron was, like, legitimately terrifying. Yeah. yeah, like it freaked me out. Like it's still to this day, like there's a part of my brain that like shivers a little bit whenever Fidget busts through the window. Like I mm -hmm. should still be scared by this all these years later. Yeah, they're like, they're dark and cool. I really like that era, actually. The, the one for me like that was Page Master. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, from Page 1994. Yeah. Yes. So scary. The the Mr. Hyde was so scary to me. Like just like the, just, I don't know, all of it was freaky, but like you just kind of like want more of it. It feels like a version of a fever a little bit. Like let me just try to like, Get get the bad stuff out. Dude, Joe Johnston, he's a pretty legit comfort watches director, actually, because he directed Rocketeer, another brilliant <gasps> oh, comfort watch. Rocketeer. Yes. Shouts Amazing. To, shouts to Rocketeer. Right. Shouts First to Avenger. Shouts to Jennifer Connolly, my, my first wife. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, is fantastic in the Rocketeer. A movie that should have been like a hit but wasn't a hit mm -hmm. fun movie yeah really fun film super fun there's no way um, Captain America exists the first Avenger directed by him if that movie didn't exist I oh right yeah agree. The, he's got the, the that, tones right there yeah completely 
I've been rewatching it like we I've rewatched um the succession season two episode Turnhaven today. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling bad episodes of television. Um and I've been reading a lot, but I think that uh I've been like catching up on a lot of TV and one of the shows that I'm really enjoying right now is Killing It on Peacock. Oh yeah, the Craig Robinson show. Oh, it stars Craig Robinson, created by uh, Luke Del Tredici and Dan Gore, and it is uh, Craig Robinson is a like down on his luck uh, dude who enters a like uh, a boa constrictor uh, catching <laughs> contest in the Everglades. Now because. Like I, uh, the the setup here is that I'm sure we've all read these stories where like people who couldn't handle their snakes in the in the you know Everglade region they would just like let them go into like mm-hmm. the swamps and shit, and now they're like a threat to the environment and so they have to be caught, and so there's like this twenty thousand uh, dollar contest for whoever catches the most snakes in the swamps and. Of course, like that is the exact amount of money that uh, Craig Robinson's character needs uh, to get out of the jam he's in. And it's like, uh, first of all, the cast is great. Uh, Craig Robinson as as Craig. He's Craig Robinson has reached the Tony Danza, mm-hmm. all my characters <laughs> are named my name <laughs> level of like TV acting. That's the Pizza Hut money. Yeah. Claudio Darity uh, as Jillian, who I, I just from think our flag that means she's death, uh, from our flag means death, and from love, <laughs> and from other things, she's just like fantastic she's and so, so funny. Lily Sullivan from the Righteous Gemstones and season one of I Think You Should Leave. Uh, Tim Heidecker as like as as like Tom Cruise's character from Magnolia. Like it's so <laughs> it, the casting is really great. And first of all, I was not aware on Peacock that you could curse and shit. So there's like a lot. It's like mm-hmm. adult. Um, but it also deals with like it's a show about people on the lowest rungs of the socioeconomic ladder who've like been left behind by capitalism mm-hmm. and who are just like trying to get by and part of the way, part of the journey of the show is, you know, along with all the snake catching and all of like hilarity and, and wild stuff that happens is like they all kind of like bond together into this community as a way to get by. And it's just a really, really funny show. It's really fun. I, I, I'm enjoying it. It's it not like anything else that's out there mm. in the same way that Abbott and, and Our Flag Means Death feel really singular and unique. Killing it feels like that. Really fun Amazing. show. I, I love that that's what streaming has given us now, is you can go super niche like that and just produce like a short 10-episode series that's like for a very specific audience that discover and love it, and it can just exist and be awesome and not have to be 22 episodes and appeal to everybody all the time. Yeah, and I really like that like these found family stories are becoming like such yeah. a, a trope now, and I think it's because like, people our age grew up with like some of the ultimate found families, you know, like the X-Men and, and stuff like that. And I, I just, it makes me really happy to see shows that are being made at a prestige TV level where that discovery of community for whatever reason, whether it's socioeconomic or sexuality or just living like on the outside of society 
that's become such a core part of of TV now. And that's definitely like one of my comfort tropes. So it, yeah. it's really nice to see. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. I watch that movie all the time. Another ultimate found family movie. That's a great one. I will go on Disney Plus and just watch scenes from Marvel movies way <laughs> too much. Like even when I'm not sick, I do that all the time. Yeah. I really <laughs> do that all the time. And it's it's sad. And I don't no. like to talk about it, but I do I do that constantly. No, I do it, like, <laughs> no shame. Captain America yeah. picking up Thor's hammer. That's like, oh, what, amazing. like oh, once yeah. a week, probably. In our house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like listen, one of the greatest scenes in the entire MCU is the before as Ultron is like knitting his consciousness together, and they're all and the rest of the Avengers are just like partying on at Stark Tower. The hangout. Oh, I just yeah. love hangouts. Yeah. I love superheroes mm-hmm. just like hanging out, and that is like so fun. That is mm-hmm. such a fun scene. Everybody drinking like. Thor's thousand-year-old grog, <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, uh, seeing who can pick up Thor's hammer, uh, roasting Rhodey for being like a, a Kmart superhero. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Like that stuff is so fun. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Uh, and I love Black Widow's response, like, yeah. "Oh, that's not a question I need answered." It's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's perfect for her character." Yeah. It's like, "No thanks, I don't want to know." Well, listen. Hopefully, this will be over soon, Rosie. Uh, I believe in us. You've you've been dealing with it since Thursday. I've been dealing it with since Saturday. Although, as I told my primary care doctor, because I'm I'm lucky enough to have uh, uh, health insurance, and I think that's a thing that everybody in this country should just have. Yes, definitely. There was like a two to three, maybe four day period where it was like, oh man, my allergies are bad. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so you know like it's hard to yeah. it's hard to say it's hard to know but i'm gonna say saturday and so hopefully this is over soon uh i tr- i know that there i know that uh, there's probably some people yelling at their speakers right now get that antiviral paxlofit or whatever it's called <laughs> i tried let me tell you folks i tried <laughs> i i did i was like hey what about that antiviral i've been hearing about and they didn't want to give it to me because i guess my symptoms aren't bad enough and i i respect it there's probably people who really uh really require it um, they are giving that out for anybody in New York. I believe that's free. If you get that prescribed, you can get that for free. I guess they just have a lot of it over that's there. That's amazing. Uh, in New York City. Nice. Um, but hopefully this will be over soon. Uh, and we'll be back with you by our next episode. Fully whole and well. And certainly uh, finished with our journey to full recovery. <laughs> Up next... The outro of the show. <laughs> it's a big thank you to Rosie Knight, Chris Lord, and and Saul Rubin, our super producers, for joining us and helping us carry through uh, the episode on X-ray vision as Rosie and I are dealing with reduced lung capacity. Uh, Rosie, what do you have to plug? Well, depending on how I'm feeling this weekend. I may or may not be there, but do remember that there is an amazing Transformers Day event at Pulp Fiction in Long Beach, which is my local comic shop. It's going to be a ton of cool artists there. You can get some rad Transformers comics on sale. Even if I'm not there, I'll make sure some of my zines and stuff are there that you can pick up and it will just be a really good time. I dream that I will be well, but it feels like I will never be well. So I'm not promising anything. (laughs) No, we're going to get there. We're going to do it. We can do it. Yeah, we can do it. (laughs) 
Folks, don't forget to check out our videos on Uncultured YouTube channel in the show notes for the listener's guide to X-ray vision, where we provide more details about the stuff we talk about on each episode, including this one. Our next episode will be on May 27th, by which time we hope to be fully whole and well and our, our bodies free of the novel coronavirus COVID-19. Don't forget, rate and review us with the five stars wherever you get your podcast. We want those five stars. We need them. We got to have them. Our lives will not be complete unless you drop the five-star ratings on the podcast platform of your choice. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dellen Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. And Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.